Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello, everyone. Uh, no need to check your calendar or your watch. It is Governance Update. It is Maundy Thursday, and that's why we're here a day early for our pre-Easter edition of the Governance Update. We've got Steve Cooper before he heads out to uh, hunt for Easter eggs or whatever it is he does over the next few days. Hi, Steve. Hi, Chris, and I am heading out, but I'm in fear and trepidation today. Why are you in fear and trepidation? Well, I've been resisting the temptation to say anything, but I've noticed this little habit you've developed of picking up some quirky sentence and um, dropping, it as, dropping it in as the title to the episode. So I presume today is going to be fear and trepidation. Problem solved. I, I, I always watch it back and I think, what am I going to call this episode? I wonder when Steve's going to cotton on that I'm actually looking for him to give me something. And there you go. So you can do it more openly from now on. No, I was waiting for you to have the courtesy to tell me, Chris, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Welcome, folks. Lots of news. And look, I've got a complaint, Steve, actually. I'm not sure where I can direct this, whether you can help me. Um, there's been a couple of instances now of significant government announcements being made like half an hour after we record this governance update. Um, you know, and I'm sick of it. I really am. It's like, you know, we want to be across the news and then that happens. We think we're important enough that it's putting out the trash, Chris, but it's probably got nothing to do with that. Uh, we're just a tiny little blip on the radar, if, if at all. But of course, I'm talking about last week's announcement on Friday of the, uh, the appointment or the pending appointment of monitors to three more councils in Victoria. That's pretty big news. It's resonated right across uh, the sector, Steve, hasn't it? Three in a day is interesting, Chris, and we probably should talk about each one in turn. But I, I found it interesting. I know I've heard the Minister speak about looking for a new title other than monitors um, because of really wanting to sort of emphasise that they don't only have a punitive role that, in fact, you know, for example, with South, the South Gippsland example, that um, the role of the monitor might be to coach and support and guide. So, um, yeah, yeah uh, different roles. Something that, that connotes a more proactive tool, I think, is what, what he was looking for when we had that conversation. I think Strathbogie is another example, Steve, where... Uh, the mayor and the CEO um, made the uh, request for a monitor to help with understanding of governance responsibilities. It was seen as a very proactive move, not a reactive response to something. Absolutely. And there wouldn't have been monitors appointed in those circumstances previously, which is evidence of the change, Chris. So a couple of things to talk about out of this. Let's talk about each of the councils in turn. So starting with Darabin. Darabin's been on the radar for a few months. Uh, this is all in the in the public record. The minister um, reportedly wrote to the council as far back as January, uh, expressing concerns about the council's ability to ensure good governance. We've seen the Herald Sun recently, um, a, a meeting that was characterised as uh, unruly, uh, Councillors storming out after apparently five hours of trying to, to complete business. Obviously, that's just gotten too much for someone. And um, here comes the monitor. 
Oh, I think that's pretty self-evident that that's timely, Chris. And yes, you're quite right. It's been well-documented. I'd heard also of, you know, excessive points of order um, or perceived to be excessive points of order for the purpose of disrupting meetings and meetings not getting through um, the business that was agended. Um, you know, generally a level of dysfunction, I suppose you'd say. Yeah. So so that's Darabin, uh, a monitor to be appointed I guess a similar set of circumstances to the monitor being put in at Yarra not so long back. Um, and and, um, and before dismissal, uh, not that we're preempting anything, Chris, but similar to circumstances at South Gippsland. Yes, yes, true. Mm. So slightly different case at Moira, where there's been, uh, again, some uh, publicly talked about issues with councillor behaviour. We're not going to talk about who, what, where, uh, when, but um, the CEO of Moira, Claire Keenan, has been quite open in saying that she approached the minister looking for some help with this issue, which, uh, and she, she's spoken to me about this, Steve, at length, um, and I'll play this interview on the weekend on the local government news roundup, but her concern really is about ensuring a safe work, work, workplace for her staff. So she's welcoming this monitor as a potential solution. Yeah, I look forward to listening to the news roundup on Sunday morning, Chris, but goes to that really interesting point that the CEO has responsibilities for health and safety in the workplace, which really is about the safe health and safety of any person affected by the work being carried out. If I can paraphrase um, the Oc Health and Safety Act, mm. uh, not in as good a way as Hunt and Hunt would. Um, but that lack of clarity also, um, or lack of capacity of the CEO to actually give direction or instructions to individual councillors, for example, uh, makes it a very difficult situation. Um, also, look out for in that interview, I do ask Claire about some reflections, having worked in um, another state, having worked in Queensland, about how these issues might be dealt with under a different regime. And we get some interesting insights that, uh, that I think are worth uh, listening to and reflecting on. Chris, I don't, I'm about to make a terrible, a fatal mistake almost and ask a question to which I don't know the answer. It would be interesting to know if there's any kind of long-term cultural issue um, at, the, at that particular council, noting that there um, probably has been a higher than normal number of councillor resignations um, at Mora. I think that's a fair question because there's been uh, three resignations within a six-month period, let me um, say that, um, or, or two, sorry. Um, the third was way back just after the election due to a tragic accident. That's but right. Yes, you would you would ask that question, wouldn't you, when you've got um, at least two um, close on the heels of each other. And on that note, we move uh, up the river or down the river. Which one is it? Um, you'll correct up the river. me. Up the river to, uh, to Wodonga. Uh, we're Kat in Bennett. fact, Chris, we, we are going up the river without a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> There's the title. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> There's our title. Um, yeah, so up the river without a paddle to Wodonga, where uh, Kat Bennett resigned very recently for reasons of work commitments. But again, I've spoken to Kat, and uh, that'll be part of the episode on Sunday as well. And she's now being more open about her reasons for resigning. And it is, again, due to... Uh, uh, toxicity in the workplace. She's spoken with the minister. She's very happy that a monitor's being appointed. Too late for her to take back her resignation, but not ruling out having another run at council if problems are resolved in the future. Well, you've helped to join the dots, Chris, because 
Um, yes, there had been a, a, a comment, I think, that Kat made on social media um, to the effect that she'd spoken with the minister, which would have led to some thinking about, oh, well, why did she speak to the minister? So um, the fact that she said that to you and that the minister has appointed a monitor would say that there are some uh, some internal issues with the culture at Wodonga that need to be looked at. Uh, and it's just occurred to me that the announcement of these monitors when it happened is probably a silver lining because our episode last week might have gone an hour. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's the first 15 minutes or so of this one just on that. So we will watch with interest. There's, there's one more issue I want to raise with you, Steve, and that is where are these monitors going to come from? Um, where is the pool of people with the skill sets, the qualifications to deal with these particular unique problems? Oh, look, I don't know the answer to that. And, and very best of luck to the Minister's Office and who presumably will make the approval and to local government Victoria in sourcing those people because there's a number of monitors, um, Janet Dorr, Prue Digby, for example, who have performed the role at multiple councils. But as you say, the pool of experienced people is quite limited. All right, uh, we'll keep an eye on that and, of course, bring you the news when we hear of those uh, appointments in the not-too-distant future. I believe it's uh, a matter of weeks, um, if that, before those announcements or appointments will be made. Next up, the other big bit of news this week, uh, massive news for regional Victoria, Steve, and that is the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Oh, very exciting news, Chris. And um, so Bendigo... Uh, Geelong, Ballarat and Gippsland to host events. And actually, I'm not so sure. Why am I thinking Shepparton's in the mix somewhere, um, Chris? Well, Shepparton has been mentioned. Uh, they're going to hold some sporting and cultural events, but the detail on that's yet to be seen. That's a really good point you pick up on, Steve, because Greater Shepparton sort of ran with this idea mm. going back five years ago. Um, I spoke to Kim O'Keefe, the mayor at Greater Shepparton. I've got some news about Kim shortly as well. Um, she's disappointed that they haven't got one of those regional hubs in Shepparton. They are going to Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo and Gippsland. So uh, Shepparton, Northern Victoria sort of miss out a little bit, but um, they are getting some events. The detail of that is yet yet to be seen. But I've got to say, she's also really positive about the fact that it is happening in, in regional Victoria. Uh, it is being treated as exciting news and there are opportunities. They just want to get in and get their fair share. Oh, no, and I think that's true. And we've talked previously, Chris, about the fact that there is a terrific infrastructure for sport in regional Victoria and, uh, you know, there hopefully will be a really good legacy out of that. Um, to the point about the organising, I was interested in the, um, in the state government radio release that there will be an organising committee established to run the event and you would presume a piece of enabling legislation as happens with major events uh, to you know, streamline or either streamline or eliminate planning processes and give the sort of powers that state government um, typically gives themselves to make sure those events happen smoothly. That's a really good point. I hadn't, my mind hadn't even gone there. I was thinking more about the infrastructure boost, the investment that's coming. Some of the councils have already made a link with affordable housing. Uh, Geelong in particular, the deputy mayor there said quite openly the Athletes Hub, they would be looking for that to be then used for affordable housing post the mm. events. Um, we all know what a big issue that is. Um, uh, funding for sporting facilities. Most of these councils around the state have got sports precincts and similar projects on the books that they need funding for. 
um, they're all obviously looking at this as an opportunity to, to try and get more investment in those facilities and to play a role in the games. Absolutely. And and I pick up on your first point, Chris, that there will be uh, athletes housing at each of the hubs and you would hope that there will be a, a strong link to affordable um, and social housing um, in those villages. And we know a lot more than we did sort of in the 1950s when Melbourne hosted the Olympics about the kind of the long-term implications of good planning associated with those sort of yeah. legacy housing projects. And the other, I guess, exciting thing about this is normally when you get such an announcement, it, there's a long lead time and you know uh, it's going to be quite a while before you're actually in the thick of this. This one's going to come around very quickly. Four years, as we know. It's the length of a council term. Uh, it's not long. Not at all. And um, in fact, I can tell you, Chris, there's something from my dim, dark past, and it's not that I... I didn't run the Melbourne Olympics, uh, Melbourne Commonwealth Games in 2006. Uh, there was a committee that did that, but um, I was at Port Phillip at the time and we were hosting um, particularly a number of road events. There were events at MSAC and I think Port Phillip had the beach volleyball as well. But what I do recall from that time was the importance of the council organisation setting up um, a manager with authority to run the Commonwealth Games response and to liaise with the various governments of agency, government agencies and inside the council organisation because the number of things that have to happen to get facilities built and up to standard uh, to manage um, spectators and athletes is actually quite an extraordinary job and needs to be well organised inside the council organisations. Very, very true to quote Craig Neiman, the CEO of Greater Bendigo, who posted on LinkedIn after the announcement, it's time to get to work. And we know Never what he means. a word was said. <laughs> we know exactly what he means. There's a lot to be done. All right. Um, I just want to cast back to last week, Steve, when we talked about um, abuse on social media and the impact that was having. And I asked you a question about you know, what we can tell from the from the data, the research, etc. You went off and did a bit of homework on that for us. Yeah, people will be surprised that we brought a bit of rigour to this show, Chris, and I, I did go and do some homework. And I mentioned at that time that um, um, Dr Andrea Carson, Associate Professor at La Trobe Uni, and uh, Professor Leah Rapana were doing some work that um, on, you know, barriers and enablers for women participating in government, um, including impacts of social media. And as luck would have it, I got to speak with Andrea earlier in the week, who advised there is not sufficient data at the moment to indicate any sort of linear trend and it would be premature to talk about increasing or anything like that. Okay. Um, they are currently working on such a piece of data, but we're at the sort of second tranche of the surveys. But what Andrea did say is it's very reasonable to say that um, abuse and trolling on, on social media of particularly women candidates, is prevalent. No surprise there. When you said you spoke to her early in the week, I was waiting for her to come in and uh, to hear her, but it wasn't that sort of contribution. But No, <laughs> no, you do that. <laughs> thank you for doing that. Uh, let's get to some news of the week. Uh, the borough of Queenscliff has had its cutback. This is, of course, after the sad uh, event of the passing of Susan Salter uh, a few weeks ago now. Um, Isabel Tolhurst is the new councillor, and I think as of going to uh, to record today, uh, she's completed her declaration and will be sworn in as the new borough of Queenscliff councillor. I think so. And having a look on the uh, on the internet during the week, I saw that Isabel actually was very unlucky not to be elected um, at the last 
general election anyway, so and is obviously willing to continue. So good luck to her. And she's described it as, as you would understand, a bittersweet opportunity to join the council given the circumstances. But uh, we wish her well in her new role. Uh, we've had another resignation, Steve, which we didn't talk about last week. We should talk about now, and that is Councillor Neil Pilling at Glen Ira has stood down for reasons of work and health. I have met Neil, and um, nice fellow, and I wish him well. Countback has been scheduled by the VEC for the 27th of April, so there's a double countback happening that day because that's when uh, the replacement for Cat Bennett at Wodonga City will be determined as well. And we also have a countback coming up at Mildura. I hope I haven't swapped these around. Uh, I think it's on the 20th of April, the Mildura uh, countback to replace Cindy Power, the Deputy Mayor who stepped down. Um, if I have mixed that up, go to lgnewsroundup.com. I've got a ready reckoner there of all the countbacks and by-elections for this term of council if you want to keep up to date. It's the source of a lot of information, Chris, so that's sound advice. Now, here's a bit of information you may or may not have heard. By the time this comes out, it should be out there in the public domain. And uh, I spoke earlier about the Greater Shepparton Mayor, Kim O'Keefe, who, when I called for some comment on the uh, Commonwealth Games matter, uh, informed me that she's about to announce she's seeking pre-selection as a Nationals candidate for the state election in November this year. You'd have to imagine, um, and Kim's announced her pre-selection, she would be a very strong candidate given, um, I guess, her profile and history of public office um, in the area, Chris. So, yes. yeah, we'll watch that with great interest. Six years as councillor, four years of those as uh, mayor to date. So she's got to come through the pre-selection process. We're not sure exactly when that will be. Uh, and if she's successful, she'll obviously become uh, the candidate. But a few steps to go before we get to that stage. And... At some point, uh, potentially, we'll be talking about what she does with her councillor role while that state election uh, unfolds. And a prediction from me, Steve. Uh, any tick of the clock, we should know who the new CEO of Yarriambiakshire is and the new CEO of Mildura. And I say that with some certainty because both of those councils have held special meetings this week to appoint a CEO, confidentially, of course. So we know the announcement doesn't always come immediately after that meeting. Now, Chris, as you know, under the 2020 Local Government Act, you don't have to call what was previously a special meeting a special meeting because some councils call them unscheduled meetings or some other variation. But were these actually special meetings? Well, you know, I'd question whether you can have an unscheduled meeting because once you schedule it, surely it's no longer unscheduled. It's a bit clunky to call it a not previously scheduled meeting, Chris. Ah, uh, but, but more importantly... Yeah, it's usually a bit of a giveaway when a council advertises a meeting that is not an ordinary meeting um, with some information that's a personnel matter or something like that regarding the item of business. And, and both of these uh, were very clear that it was to consider the appointment of a chief executive officer. So that's we're not we're not guessing that that's what it is. We know that's what it is. Of course, uh, you know, and I'm speaking on ABC Mildura Radio about this as well. Um, you know, sometimes the council needs to make the resolution and then the contract negotiation and finalisation happens. So it's not always an immediate announcement after that resolution happens in confidence. Sometimes it is. All the ducks are lined up in a row. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Well, once again, we'll watch this space, Chris. People will have to come back next week to see what happened. Absolutely. Or listen to the local government news roundup. You'll exactly. probably hear it, hear it there first. Steve, anything else from you this week? No, I just think um, people 
with, with luck, we'll go away and have a very happy and safe Easter. And I echo that sentiment. Sorry there's no shark in the roof or anything like that uh, this week, but we'll have to work a bit harder to find a quirky story to end on maybe next week. Steve, have a lovely time with, uh, hopefully with family and a safe time, and we'll talk to you next week on the Governance Update. You too, Chris. Cheers. Steve Cooper is the Chief of Staff at the VLGA, and I did neglect to mention at the start that this program is proudly brought to you by Hunt & Hunt Lawyers, our terrific sponsors. It's part of the VLGA Connect stable of programs that you'll find on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great Easter. See you soon. Bye for now.